Welcome to Season 2 of the Development Locker Podcast, where we progress to the how, where we aim to continue your development throughout the 2021-2022 season and start to proactively prepare you for your transition come the end of the season. Over the next 12 months, we will cover a variety of topics that you, the listener, have voted for taking ownership of your own development and transitional needs and those of other academy players and graduates. This podcast is a free platform that aims to put you, the person behind the player, at the forefront of everything we do, so that we may enhance your academy experience via our guidance, advice and support on a weekly basis. Each week, we invite guests to tell us their stories, share their experiences, so that you can take on board key messages that will positively impact your future. Our objective is to cover the basics well, provide you with the additional 1% in a variety of areas and give you an opportunity to continue your lifelong development as you transition through the academy system towards fulfilling your aspirations of becoming a professional football player and living a fulfilled life after football. These are your chosen episodes. This is your interview from The Locker. We bring you yet another of our transitional based feature called The Journey, a monthly episode I personally look forward to as it gives me an opportunity to catch up with some familiar faces as well as make some new acquaintances too. In this episode, we meet Mark, a young man who like you pursued a career in professional football but came up against challenges fortunately very few of us will ever have to face. Not wanting to spoil what is to follow in this episode, Mark had to overcome a major health scare, injuries and season-by-season health checks to make it as a professional. Apologies due to some signal problems, we weren't able to bring you the full conversation we had with Mark, but nevertheless, this doesn't detract away from his amazing story and the journey he's about to share with you. But let's stop there. For now, as over the next 60 minutes, Mark will more than fill in the gaps talk about his highs, his lows, how these experiences have enabled him to manage his own transition, as well as the support of transition of others too. This is his story. This is his interview from The Locker. Hello, welcome back to another episode and another journey and this week we have a definition of a unique guest um so mark's going to tell you all about himself his background in in a bit and essentially um it's a truly unique story that you will be able to relate to you will get impact from so without further ado welcome mark let's get cracking on with the first question how did moving away from home develop you as an individual well, moving away from home developed me massively as an individual. Um, I see it as when you move away from home, you realise that you don't have your home comforts of your family. You don't have the home comforts of seeing your friends every day. And it kind of makes you solely focused on football and it makes you solely focused on what I moved away to do. And that's why I, I think 
having a digs or having a house for an academy is a massive part of your transition because it takes you out of your home comforts and it makes you kind of learn to prepare on any situation coming up in football and it makes you solely focus on football and it gets you to know your teammates really well and like you say it was it was um living in a digs experience is what really made me grow up very very quickly and it, and it's something that I'm grateful for doing because like you say I was I was lucky enough at the club I moved to that I had like a lot of very good people around me so it made it it was a it was a very easy choice to make and homesickness never really uh slipped in for me which I'm thankful for but that was down to the club I chose I think yeah, I mean, it's it's always an intriguing one with that one because, you know, quite a lot of the UK academy system is full of lads who have grown up in their local town, then joined their local club, then gone to their local football club and academy in the very few and far between branch out and you've obviously been kind of almost forced to do that. So it's a very intriguing one in terms of, you know, like you said, you've not got that home comfort, you're almost forced to to develop, which, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that in terms of you won't be the only one, I'm sure you know that, who's had to move away from home to pursue their dream of football. So, I mean, we're, we're skipping a lot here, but, I mean, in terms of the, the pure uniqueness of your story, so in 2009, you had a, a health scare. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and kind of how you responded to that setback? Yeah, um, like obviously I was lucky enough that in 2009 at the end of that season, well, at the beginning, um, just before, like obviously when I was still a schoolboy, I made my debut, which the world was at my feet. I was only 16 playing in a force team and everyone had me up in lights and like it, it felt amazing and it was something I knew what I wanted to do. But then I came back the following season wanting to hit the ground running, but I had a medical screening. Um what you normally get um sometimes at academies, which are more frequent now. I had a heart scan and obviously they found that I had like a leak in aortic valve. So at the time they said it's not really nothing to be concerned about that it's something that maybe in 50, 60 years time that I might need an operation on and I'm to carry on as normal, but just keep an eye on it. And Weeks passed and pre-season passed and everything like that. And my heart rates were going up really high. And like I say, I just went from one thing, one extreme to the next of follow-up scans and follow-up results and found out that I needed open heart surgery. Um, so, yeah, it was like it was really difficult at the time because obviously I hit the ground running the season before as a schoolboy. So I just wanted to carry on playing and wanted to carry on hopefully getting better and better and getting more involved with the force team. But, um, yeah, I had, um, I had the heart scan and I think it was in within two, three months of having the heart scan, I found out I need open heart surgery. So I ended up having open heart surgery in that October, which was a massive shock to the system. And it's something that I'll never forget because that was kind of the telltale sign of, do I really want football or don't I? And, because you're 16 and naive at the time, um, the doctors were telling me I'll probably never play football again. Um, I got told off the doctors if I don't have that operation on that year, I was going to die. Like, uh, there's not much more else they are able to spin on it. It was literally you have the operation and you'll be lucky enough to go down and play, the, play like football in the park with your friends. We're not guaranteeing you their professional career. Um so I got told it would last from a year to a maximum of five years. Like there was so much to it, but all I ever had in my head and the questions I asked the doctor was, 
can I play football? And being 16 and naive at the time, it was probably went in my favour that that's all I wanted was just to play football because I had a taste of first team football the season before. So I ended up having the operation and then it was it was really tough to take because it really like kind of you start from ground zero all over again. You have to learn from walking a long distance to then getting back into your jogging, then getting back into gym sessions. Everything just took time. But luckily enough, I had like the people around me. I had like a great physio and Neil Sullivan at the time. There was a great fitness coach and Steve Haynes at the time. And they all were amazing with me. Nigel Clough as a manager gave me a new three and a half year deal to give me the opportunity to try and get back fit again. And he looked after me in so many ways where he would make phone calls to me to make sure I was okay. And if I was doing the walk and then he was just basically being there for me and to all people like that, you never forget. And um, I ended up getting back fit and playing um, by the end of that season. So I had it in October and around April, middle April time, I was back playing with the youth team and, uh, I made the fourth team bench last day of the season. That's amazing. I mean, that's a comeback at such such a young age, at such a relatively early stage of your career as well. I mean, um, there's, there'll be plenty of players who are listening to this who have, you know, probably had a a long, medium to long term injury who have felt like, oh, is my career over? And but you know, when it's I think when it's your health, it's something totally different, and it's yeah, probably. Totally unexpected, you know, not that players go into games expecting to get injured, but you know, it's unfortunately it's just the the what you sign up to for the sport, isn't it? You're gonna get niggles and pick up, you know, whether it's compact injuries, whatever it may be. But to have that health scare at such a young age, I mean it's just yeah, absolutely amazing that you even made it back, like you said, to play football. And I don't think it's naivety, I think probably it's a very much a, a drive from within from from your perspective. So yeah, massive respect for that. So I mean, you've had your health scare, well, so you've, you've been around a fair few clubs, you've had your health scare, you made your first team debut, you know, you've, you've made a comeback. And then, so tell us around that that day when you signed your professional contract and, you know, put it into kind of perspective of, you know, the fact that you really have earned it, not to say others haven't, but in terms of your setbacks, your comebacks, what were the emotions like when you got to sign on the dotted line for your first professional contract? Oh, I loved every minute of it. Like when when I found out that the manager wanted to kind of rip up my previous contract and give me a new three and a half year deal, it was something that like I was proper like I was really overwhelmed with. And obviously, like you say, everybody has their own battles and everybody have their own stories. So mine is just another story, just like everybody else's. But to me, it felt like a personal achievement to just still be able to play football and my whole main concern was if I was going to play for the under-18s, reserves or force team, it never really bothered me because I was just really, really wanting just to play football. And like I say, I think having that passion and that drive for football and my experience to take away from all of that, that I look back on and now was that I always see it as if someone wants to make a career out of football and someone wants to make a living out of football, then if you really want it, there should be nothing that be able to hold you back whether that's an injury, like I've had my fair share of injuries at Derby as well. I had an ACL, I've had a microfracture in my knee. I had all these different variants to what people may sometimes call career-ending injuries and stuff that people don't recover from. But I, I had that drive in me that all I wanted to do was play football. So all I really wanted was, once I signed that contract, I felt 
really, really kind of grateful for everyone who supported me and everyone who stuck by me that once I was able to feel so grateful towards the club, I wanted to give everything back for the club. And I think that's a certain kind of level of credibility. I was left at that club that people knew I wore my heart on my sleeve and I gave 100%. And that was always me as a person. And that that's something that Derby brought out in me a, a lot more by sticking by me through such a difficult time. Yeah, I mean, so when you get that contract in your individual scenario, is that, do you almost not just grab it with both hands, but you are absolutely thankful for everything because of the struggles that you've had to come back from? Or is it almost like a free hit because of your perspective, I'm assuming, maybe wrongly, will have changed because of that hell scare of thinking, God, that could have been me, that could have been me done. You know, heart scare, you don't get pretty any more serious than that. So is then your first professional contract and your first few games, your season, is that a free hit because you think, God, you know, this time last year, I may not have even been here. So the fact that I'm a professional footballer, hey, pressure's off, I'm just going to go and enjoy myself. Or is it the opposite where you're almost like, you know, wow, what an opportunity and I've really got to give it everything because I've come back from this. I know what the other side looks like. In all fairness, it's a kind of, it's it's a bit of both really. It's to the point of saying, well, do you know what? Like I've worked so hard to get myself to any sort of level of fitness. I'm going to give it me everything and I'm going to see what happens at the end of it. So there was that laid back attitude towards it in the sense of saying, well, do you know what? I've been through the worst. I know what can happen. Let's let's see if this valve works and let's see what my career can be. Like I've given myself every best opportunity to play football. I'm gonna see what I can bring for me. And then on the other aspect, like I wanted to give a hundred percent to any football team and for Derby sticking by me for so long, it was something that I felt as though I wanted to repay to Derby for sticking by me. I wanted to bleed for the short. I wanted to just give everything for the management, for the the physios, for everybody who was there for me and like you say, it's um, it's it's one of them things that like my perspective on football did change, because um, what a lot of people never knew was that ever since I had that operation at sixteen, every single season for the last 12, 13 years that I've played, I've had to have a heart scan to see if I can play the following season. Now nobody else knew that, or other than the clubs I was at. So yeah. every season to me was always based on this could be my last season. So I go back for a heart scan. They'll tell me, yeah, Valve is okay. Then I know I've got another another season to go out and play. But then after that season would finish, I'd have another heart scan and not know whether I was able to play the following season. So year to year, I never knew. So I always based my career on, well, my Valve is okay for this year. I'm going to give it me everything. And that's probably given me more of a drive to not, yeah. get, too, to not get too down and down moments because I realised it can get taken away just as quickly. Yeah, so probably you were looking, <laughs> you were looking on at your fellow peers in terms of like they're sweating over that contract. You're thinking, I'm sweating on whether physically I'm able to play to get that call to see through my contract. So yeah, it's all perspective, isn't it? At the end of the day. So I mean, you talked about you getting your first professional contract. What was that transition like from youth football to the first team environment? In your opinion, in my opinion, I'd say the transition from both. It is. It, it, it's quite difficult. Like, but at the same time, what I did have was like obviously my dad is like very knowledgeable, knowledgeable on his football. 
So I was able to, he was always saying to me, well, the manager's not asking you to be in the force team to do anything different other than what he likes you doing, which is being a defender, kick, head a ball, and they'll develop you in other areas, but be a defender. And that's all Nigel Clough ever used to say to me is, be a defender. Be like, kick it, head it, just be what we want you to be and why you're up here. So I never really felt too much pressure. Like, don't get me wrong, we very first training session does the likes of Robbie Savages, Stephen Pearsons, all different people like that. And yeah, kind of looking around thinking, oh my God, like, I, I can't believe I, I only just seen these lads on, on match of the day a couple of years ago and now I'm training with them. So it was like, it was one of them kind of surreal moments. But if I'm able to explain it properly, it's like an alter ego I kind of had with football that off the field, I probably wouldn't speak to anybody and I was so nervous to say hello to people and I was kind of really shy. But then once I got onto a football pitch, me alter ego came out of football and being demanding and telling people torn out, tuck in, squeeze up. And that side of my football was always there. I was always that kind of a talker and I was I always like kind of prided myself on being a talker. And that's something that stood out for a lot of the pros when, when I stepped up. So I got like I got kind of welcomed into the force team um really well. Now that's down to obviously in, in my opinion having a lot of respect for the force team and not feeling as though I've made it just because I got asked to train with them. Because to stay in and around the force team just gets harder and harder each year with I think it gets harder mentally, it gets harder physically because you're still only a young lad. But if you show enough respect to the force team, they will look after you just like one of their own, but at the same time, it matures you very quickly as well. And I see myself maturing very quickly where I started to realise I'm in a, I'm in a men's game now. I'm, I'm training with men every day. I'm not with academy kids anymore. So if I do mess up, it's on my shoulders. And that's why I kind of took that and grasped it with both hands. And I, and I learned a lot from a lot of people. And it's stuff that I look at where it's, where it's kind of gave me the opportunity to be able to speak about academy football and stuff nowadays that I done that transition and I, I it wasn't I'm not I'm not in the life of me saying it was easy but it was something where I, I learned that it's the simple things as respect and and shown that level of respect to your force team members that you do get welcomed in and then the hard work takes over the reason you're there and why the man's are giving you the opportunity because he obviously likes the way I played so I never changed any style of play and how I did play and the force team welcomed me right in, and I'm I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you, you only speak positively transition. That's that's testament to you as an individual. I mean, and speaking of transition, so you've been on loan at clubs like Motherwell, Southport. What what was going out on loan like? Did you know? Was that almost just like just another part of your journey, or did you find kind of those periods quite? difficult to adjust to knowing that you know it wasn't necessarily a long-term aim it was more of a short-term fix maybe to get minutes maybe to put yourself in the shop window maybe to keep yourself ticking over was it a positive positive experience or a negative one going out on, on loan at those two clubs um well the first one was a motherwell one which i kind of felt was i was very nervous about going because it would have been the first time i went to a different club from since being over at derby for about five six years so I felt kind of a bit nervy about going out on loan because 
I was going to have to go into a new team, me like all new teammates. I was going to have to experience different things and move all the way to Scotland. And it was, it was a very kind of nerve wracking time. It was like first day of school all over again. <laughs> so it, it, it had that kind of feel to it. But like you say, you go into, you go into it. They're obviously taking you up there because they like what they see or they feel as though I can add something to the team. And like I say, you just have to kind of get up there and play how, the manager wants you to play out where he has you there. There's no point going up there and trying to be this flashy player that I never was to the reason why you would have brought me there. I have to just be me. And luckily enough, I met some great people up there in Motherwell as well and got on really well with a lot of the lads in the changing room. And like you say, you just kind of, the one thing that I was probably more thankful for that opened me eyes to football isn't just the be all and end all at Derby. And if it didn't work out at Derby, it's the end of the world. It opened me eyes to say there's so many more different teams, players and opportunities out there that I I did take more of a positive step towards it because when I did probably think negative of it because all I wanted to do was stay at Derby and I felt comfortable in our home, I had to step outside the comfort zone to, to realise that there's a lot more to football than just one club and it's not the end of the world if that one club doesn't want you because there's other opportunities out there and that's why when I had to go out on loan to Southport after I was at Luton as well, that was to go out, get minutes, but also to put myself in the window to show people I was still fit. So, like I say, yeah, it seems as though it was probably a drop in standard as people would look at it to go and play in the conference, um, the conference of the leagues and stuff like that. But I seen it as an opportunity because the manager that I ended up playing for at Southport ended up assistant manager at Newport and, I ended up getting a great four and a half years at Newport. So sometimes things work their way around that. You don't go anywhere with egos. You just go in everywhere with open mind. And at the end of the day, your career is to play football. It's not to sit at the best club or to try and win the best contract. It's to play football. And wherever you're playing football is where you should be the happiest. And that's how I always see my career is that once I was able to put a short on and play, and I think that comes down to the heart stuff and the health scares as well and the injuries. And once I was able to have a short on and play, it didn't matter where it was and I would give 100% for whatever team gave me the opportunity. It's just great to hear that, you know, you're viewing all the different steps of your transition, all the different kind of what others would maybe perceive as struggles. You're seeing those opportunities, you're seeing as a, a chance to network with different individuals and, you know, you've proved that by, you know, the small world of football that we all operate in that, you know, you go on alone at one club and you know that that brings up another opportunity somewhere further down the line so I mean yeah it's great to hear you setting a you know a great example to you know academy players I'm sure your peers you know within the professional game as well truly amazing it just goes to show you never really know the struggles that a person faces in their journey or understand how they faced those same struggles. And that is why I love the episodes we cover in The Journey. If you listen to this and think your story needs to be told or you simply wish to share your similar or different experiences in your own journey, then please do get in touch. You can do so via our various social media platforms through our DMs or email us at thedevelopmentlocker at gmail.com. Similarly, if you know a teammate or a former academy player with a story to tell, we want to hear from them too. So please pass on our contact details for them to get in touch.
But right now, let's get back to one truly amazing story where Mark continues to tell us about his journey. Apologies, because we do have to fast forward between large chunks. I mean, your story we could probably do a whole month worth, if I'm being honest with you, but <laughs> to try and cram it all into one episode. Um, so you, you you retired recently. I mean, you know, in terms of that, what was the decisions behind retirement and, and how, how was that transition from retirement into kind of not being a professional footballer? How, how have you dealt with that? Because ultimately that must be, not in comparison to your, your, your health scare, but in terms of your footballing career, that must be the biggest transition so far. Yeah, it was probably, I underestimated how difficult it would be because of previous years of knowing that my career was on a time scale, let's say, that each year I'd have a heart scan to make sure that I could play the following year. So I always knew at some stage that one year it was never going to be quite right. But I always thought I'd be well prepared for it. But when I went for my last heart scan and, found out it wasn't quite right and I needed open heart surgery. Um, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I remember I broke into tears. I was really, really down. I like I went into depression and sometimes I, I, I had to look at it and I went into that mode of thinking, why did this have to happen to me? And I, I went through every last emotion you can think of. But then I had to put the retirement to one side and have to concentrate on the open heart surgery to think, okay, I'm back under the knife again and now it's down to recovery. It's down to getting opened up again. It's down to the operation. It's having to be on blood thinners. So the whole decision, I knew, I knew once whenever I needed the second open heart surgery, I knew it was going to be the finish of football because I wanted only one more ever operation, which was the metallic valve that I've got in right now, which meant I had to be on blood thinners, which meant you can't play contact sport. So, the very first operation was to see what I can do with my career. And the next operation, I had my mind made up for so many years that it was always going to be retirement. So it was obviously a, a, a blow because I was loving my time at Newport. I created so many memories there and loved every minute of it. But it was just one of them things that was always inevitable for me. But um, it was very difficult, like all last year. And I'm not ashamed to say it, like I had to do a lot of counselling sessions. Um due to the open heart surgery for one, which was messed with my mind a lot. And I had to do a lot of counselling over retirement for football, losing that routine of football, losing the fitness of football, losing that kind of sense of identity for football. Like I, I, I just felt so lost and I didn't know what to do with myself. And it, it, it is something where the, the counselling helped me a hell of a lot and it, it helped me kind of, appreciate what I did have for football rather than look at it as a negative. I appreciate the career I had and I appreciate the memories I made. And it's something that I look back on now and say to a lot of people, I've even said it to a lot of academies now that sometimes people might get caught up in the social status of needing great Instagram followers and great this and great that. And I need to look like a footballer, but sometimes because it can take, be taken so, so away from you so quickly, the best thing that I can obviously say about being a footballer is make the best memories you can, no matter what club you've been at, no matter where you're playing, make sure you're playing and creating all the best memories because they're the ones that'll stick with you forever. And they're the ones that nobody can ever take away from you because people can take the money away and take your career away. 
but nobody can take the memories that I made on football and that's something that I'm really grateful for and something that I really appreciate along the way. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned there in terms of you speaking to other academy players and that's that's my next question. You, like, you, you've recently teamed up with the LFE and gone into academies to kind of tell your story more in depth and what you're giving us here. This is probably a little bit of, say, a highlight, you know, kind of a, a snapshot of, of, of your whole career, your kind of life to, to date which is great to hear that you're going into academies and, and, and telling your story because it certainly needs to be told. Is that part of you? So you said mentioned about your counselling. Is that part of almost your process mentally to kind of get your head around your transition, your retirement and, and all the rest of it? Or is it just simply a, a personal choice that you've always wanted to give back into the system you know, regardless of the, the ups and downs, the challenges, the, the positive experiences that you've had through your career? Again, I think it's a bit of both because obviously when you're playing football week in, week out, you don't really think about, all right, what am I going to do after football? Because like I say, you're in that bubble of you feel amazing and you're, you're living great, great life and everything's going so great for you. But I think um, having to retire and then get in touch with the LFA and do the counselling that I've done. Um, it is kind it is kind of like a therapy for me, as well as me being able to give back. So it is a bit of both because me speaking about my experiences definitely helps me, but also sometimes makes me realise that, you know what, I have done really well in my career and I have um, achieved a hell of a lot in my career. And then also to be able to give back to academy lads and give back to even sometimes force team people to say, well, hang on, hang on. Like I've had X, Y and Z happen to me and I know everybody goes through their struggles. But if football is what you really want, well, then there shouldn't be any amount of injury, scares or anything where if someone gives you an opportunity to play, like this, in my opinion, like the smaller details of not getting the right contract that you might want and feeling upset about moving away from home or if someone gets an injury and they're out for a couple of weeks the bigger picture is okay if football is what you want none of them none of them should be a distraction it should just be I'm going to do everything I can to play football and wherever that takes me it takes me and me having that view of football in two different aspects of I've I've seen it from an old school kind of perspective where Nigel Clough kind of the black or white situation where he either likes you or he doesn't like you or you should be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. You need to have respect and all of them different things off the field. Then me being a captain at certain clubs and me be- being able to to kind of hopefully help young lads realise that I know in this day and age getting to see the new school of all football where social media plays a massive part and Instagram and Twitter and everything and everyone has an opinion on everybody and everyone has to try and look a certain image when they play football, that sometimes it's strip all of that back and say, okay, this is the club I play for. Now, I might have to drop down to the conference for a month, two months, a year, but you drop down there because you're doing what's best for your career, not because you need to keep up a social status for your Instagram or your Twitters. You need to do something for your career because that's the way I see it, that football is such a short-lived career. And I'm an example that I can be taken away from you at any age and there's people younger than me that has been taken away from. So it's meant to be make the most of it and play as much football as you can and just enjoy every minute of it because if you do enjoy it and you're comfortable in where you play, all those accolades will come along 
because your talent will always shine through. It's all about trying to create those environments and that opportunity for yourself. I see that I'm able to kind of hopefully speak out and give people a chance with. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I'll, I'll speak on behalf of everybody who's, who's been lucky enough to, to be your audience and, and, and listen to the story and, and, and take on a lot of the key messages that you, you've said over the last 30 minutes or so on the, on this episode. Um, yeah, it's... I know we're speaking with uh, Sam at the LFE and uh, Simon from uh, from Derby, where it used to be that, you know, the, the session that you're putting on is, you know, massively impactful and, it, and it's definitely a story that needs to be told and it carries so many different messages. You know, unfortunately, not all of them we've been able to cram into this episode, but, you know, as well as probably worked out as a good thing to leave a little bit more for the Academy lads who will be listening to this podcast, but also, you know, they'll want to know more and can't wait to, to kind of, yeah, listen to your story in more depth when, when you come into their respective club. And 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 speaking about the future, what's what's your future? What are your aspirations in, in, in terms of uh, your career and your life in and outside of football? Um, so far, like I'm still sticking around Newport. Um, I've been kind of looking down at their academy things and seeing how they kind of operate and seeing if I can give them some talks and helping on their aspects of what it takes to come and play, not just football in general, but what the manager might want at Newport because it's a transition. Um, but then also I've been lucky enough to get opportunities to hopefully do a bit of commentary um, for some teams and just kind of stay in and around Newport and help on maybe media side of things and like I have been occasionally looking in at the analyst um at the club to see how he can um, they see how he works and I'm obviously going to start some coaching badges as well so there's a lot that, I, that I'm kind of like switching my eye to and everything is like a lot of football based but I also am getting involved with Sport and Chance the charity which okay. um that's the charity that I used to help me with the counselling. So they've obviously asked me to get on board and spread the message of how they helped me. And like I say, I was more than happy for opportunities like that. And as I say, um, there's like a couple of opportunities coming my way. So it's just a matter of just sieving them all out and just just enjoying where it all takes me, really. Just like how I, how I learned how to be part of a football career, just see where the journey takes me for now. Yeah, well, it sounds like exciting times ahead, and again, it's testament to the individual that you are. You're not just putting your legs in, your all your eggs in one basket. Rather, you've got kind of yeah fingers in many pies by the sounds of it. And I'm sure one of them or all of them will all come off and give you you know more opportunities in the future. So yeah, it'll be be good to track your progress on in terms of how you go on. And, and, and in terms of that, you know, if you had to give our listeners one piece of advice from the many different pieces of advice you've already given in the in the last thirty or forty minutes. If I had to nail it down to one piece of advice for academy players, what would it be? The one probably thing I can say for academy players, which I've probably said numerous of times, is I think the only thing that you're able to do is look and learn from the force team people, listen to your coaches and get your head down and work hard. And if football is what you want, whether that's doing your school work to training every day, never look back with any regrets. Like, never look back at a certain time in a training session or a certain game to think, I could have run a bit more, I could have done a bit more. Give it everything that you can for now in your academy because, like you say, you just never know what can be around the corner. So make as many many memories and as many friends and all as you can, but 
give it your all and sometimes that's all you can do and see where it takes you yeah that's great advice absolutely amazing and it's been amazing to be able to speak with you over the last like i said 40 minutes or so it's uh yeah, it's been almost a, a perfect episode for me in, re- in regards to that because I think, you know, I don't want to give too much away in terms of your full in-depth of your story. You, you've covered a lot of the key points, a lot of the kind of lows, the highs, the challenges, how you overcome them. And I know for a fact that, the, you know, the listeners listening to this episode will be taking plenty from it. So on behalf of our listeners, thank you very much for um, taking your time out to give, you know, give back for free. Uh, from a personal perspective, thank you so much for your patience because I know we've had a bit of uh, technology <laughs> uh, issues uh, once or twice. Um, so, yeah, thank you for your persistence and your patience in regards to that. And I certainly look forward to your, your progress and uh, you going into many academy clubs and, and impacting on um, all of the academy players that you come into contact with. And it'll be great to follow uh, in the future and to, yeah, to see how your career progresses. So, yeah, thank you, Mark. Lovely. Thanks very much for this. I don't know about you, but I still need a minute or two to let all of that sink in. I mean, as transition goes, Mark's journey is something else, but also something we can all learn from. In an environment where we all tend to solely focus on football and everything else is background noise, with little thought or care to our health, the fact that we are even able to play football, never mind at the level or club we aspire to. Mark's life lessons can serve us all well, and make us thankful for our health and the fact that you, as an academy player, get to do what you love and probably take it for granted. So, when that time comes, and it will, when an academy or a club informs you that your services aren't needed for the following season, remember this is simply an opportunity to move on, progress and embrace new experiences. It isn't the end. It's simply the next phase of your transition, where exciting different chapters of your own story lay ahead and is all part of your journey. And that brings us beautifully to next month's edition of the next episode of The Journey, where we hope to bring you two individuals who have this very same outlook as they continue their journey across the Atlantic. We look forward to you joining us then to hear more. But before that, be sure to tune in next week as we begin our US scholarship-themed episodes for the month of October. We cannot wait to bring you more interviews from the locker. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I look forward to you joining us next week when we bring you another interview from The Locker. Be sure to follow this podcast to access the latest episodes and make sure you share these interviews with your friends, family, teammates and anyone you feel will benefit from the episodes. Look out for behind the scenes footage on our Instagram page, for more information on our Facebook page and be sure to give us a follow on Twitter too. Don't forget to access our website for up-to-date resources as well as contact details for all our guests who appear on the podcast from week to week. All these details can be found in the About section on the podcast platform you have accessed this episode from. We look forward to you joining us next week in listening to more interviews from The Locker.